Our scripture reading this day comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. Let us hear God's word. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. Broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life away from me, for I am no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. In that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They are seeking my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to open our hearts, our minds, and our ears. Help us to hear your voice, help us to hear your voice. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
jumbo shrimp. A small crowd. A farewell reception. Clearly confused. Act naturally. The winning Dallas Cowboys. I love all of these phrases because they are rather solid examples of oxymorons. <laughs> Sorry. One, one of my personal favorites is deafening silence. We've heard that phrase before, right? It doesn't really make sense. We ask ourselves, how in the world can silence be loud? It makes sense if we consider it in the context of life. You see, life in many ways is uh, like an oxymoron, right? This is especially true for prophets of God we see in Scripture. It's especially true uh, for those who seek to follow God, right? This oxymoron. And we know them, right? We know the words, the challenges. We know them. Uh, to gain, you lose. You lose, you, you gain. You, you find your life. You have to lose it, but to lose it, you save it. It's like this weird juggling that doesn't really make Our story today is one of the most provocative passages in all of Scripture that illustrates for us how God relates to humankind and how God speaks to humankind. In this story, God revealed himself in a drastically different way than God has revealed God's self to Israel up until this point. And I know it's a long scripture reading this morning, but you have to have it in context. So let's, let's set the scene again in case that was too much. Let's simplify it. So here you have Elijah who was victorious. And this is Elijah, y'all. I mean, this is Elijah. We, we hold Elijah up here, right? It's like, we, we hold Elijah. There's Elijah and Abraham, Jesus. You know, there's a couple of them that we hold up high. And Elijah has just conquered the prophets of Ball, right? He's just one. Not only that, he has bested Ahab because you see, he's outraced the king's chariots to Jezreel. Uh, Elijah is on this incredible winning streak. That's up until the moment Ahab tells Jezebel, Elijah's been up to, and how Elijah's been winning. And Jezebel doesn't take too kindly to that. In fact, she makes an oath, and an oath in this day and time, at this, in this culture, is something serious. She says, quote, So may the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of In other words, may the gods kill me if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. That's serious business. That's how strong she felt about taking Elijah out. Talk about a roller coaster. Well, maybe, maybe not a roller coaster, but a yo-yo. 
there's this thing called the yo-yo effect. And it's a term that's used, it's a medical term that, that talks about the weight loss cycle. You know, it's this never-ending cycle of, of weight loss and gain up and down similar to the motion, the, the motion of a yo-yo. You gain weight, you lose it. You gain it back, you lose it. And it's an endless cycle. Elijah's experiencing this. This victory. Then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Elijah is from victorious prophet to hunted man. From a triumphant oracle of God to fleeing for his very life. What a paradigm shift. This passage mentions Elijah as broken, fearful, thirsty, afraid. Some scholarship even suggests that Elijah is suicidal. And we see that in his words, right? Take away my life. Roger Nam, who was a, prof a professor at George Fox Evangelical Seminary, paints sort of a, a, a realistic and, and comical interpretation of this picture when he says you have to understand just how tired Elijah is. You see, in ancient Israel, there's no Uber. So when you have to run and flee for your life, we think run, flee for my life, I get in my car and go. There's no cars. He's running, walking. There's no air maxes. He's in sandals. He's running. Terrain, weather, all of these things a factor from place to place, from broom tree to broom tree, hiding in fear of his life. Can you imagine how that feels? I mean, he's, he's thirsty but cannot stop because uh, out of a fear that, that he's going to be overtaken. He's not sleeping for fear that he will be awakened in the middle of the night by someone who is seeking to take him away. It gets so bad where Elijah utters the confession that I think that we all know or that we've all said at some point in life. Enough, Lord. Enough. Or maybe it's been, enough, Lord! Enough! I'm done! How many of us have experienced that? That sense of hopelessness? And fear. Well, how does Elijah respond? How do we respond? Well, we listen, right? When I think of listening, I think of something my dad used to tell me all the time. And he would say, boy, you are short on ears and long on mouth. I've been here long enough, y'all know that's true. And come to discover, uh, in, in preparation for this passage, I discovered that he stole that. I used to think my dad was so wise, but that's actually John Wayne. But anyways, while, I, while listening is important, I think this passage is about something bigger. I think it's about not just listening, but, but how we listen. This is what God teaches Elijah here. 
Uh, Elijah's so beaten down. Elijah's almost seemingly like uh, uh, Roberto Duran. Do you remember the No Moss fight in 1980? The famous prize fighter who was so done with repeatedly being hit in the face over and over again by Sugar Ray Leonard, who was so much faster than he was, who at the end of one of the rounds is on his stool in the corner, and his trainers are getting him ready for the next round, and he's saying, looking at the referee, saying, no mas, no mas, which means no more. He refuses to answer the bell. He is so tired of being hit. He says, I'm not going back out to that again. It's one of the most famous fights ever, where a fighter literally quits in the middle of the fight. That's Elijah's circumstance. So God sees this and says, Elijah, go stand at that mountain. Stand there. Stand there and listen. Stand there and watch. For I am about to pass by. And boy, a whole bunch of stuff happens, right? A great wind comes by and you're expecting for God's voice to speak out in this loud, Elijah, here's exactly what you should do. But nothing happens. Well, then there's this earthquake. This, the, the earth is shaking and you're thinking there's going to be that big booming voice of God. Elijah, this is exactly what you should do. Nothing happens. But then fire comes and this raging fire. And guess what happens? God's not there. And then something quite interesting happens. Nothing. Nothing. After the fire is silence. I'm going to try my best. The Hebrew wording in that particular point of scripture. Kol damama deka. Kol means sheer silence. The mama means to be silent or motionless. And the ka means small or thin. So, the God who parted the Red Sea and all these things, all these big booming acts of just godness. In this moment when God, when Elijah, Elijah really needs a word from God, speaks in a small, thin voice. So maybe Elijah, like, in many ways like us, when we experience this yo-yo effect, right, maybe we should stop, pause, listen. We all have experiences. We know them. Some we, we remember well, others we'd like to forget. The most recent metaphor in my life, you know of my trip, recent trip to the Holy Land. I remember being on the runway at DFW, and you know, I have never been, and I've always heard in ministry just here, you should always go to the Holy Land at least once. And so you're ready to go, you've packed, you've got your fancy noise-canceling headphones that you spent way too much money for, and you are in the zone. You are like, wait, I am on a plane to London. This is awesome. And then only to see the lightning 
and hear the thunder and to hear the, the, the rain and the hail literally beating off the plane. And then to hear the pilot say, y'all don't look like this is going to happen. They've sent every other plane for us, but we're going to wait it out about 30 more minutes. Then in that last hour, that last three minutes, I actually recall saying a prayer. I prayed to God. I said, Lord, and y'all know this prayer if you're, being, if you're honest with yourself. Lord, I will do anything you ask if you let this plane take off. <laughs> and sure enough, the heavens opened, and a minute later, the pilot's voice Y'all, we got a five-minute window, strap up, we're getting out of here. The elation that we all felt, and those of us, a part of our contingent, looked at each other in the row, we're like, yes, we're going to the Holy Land. And we get to London, like, oh, we're in London, wow, awesome, we're in London, this is so cool, I want to get some fish and chips, wait, there's a Harry Potter store, selfie, let's go, let's go, we're so excited. And we get to our next stop, which is Jordan, and then it really hits in, we're in Jordan, like Jordan, like, like Jordan. And we're walking through the airport, and we're looking at the, the Arabic writing on the wall. We're taking more selfies. Look, Arabic, I'm in Jordan. And we're walking in, 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 this, in this immense joy. And we get our visas, and we go to baggage claim, and we're standing there with people. And we're talking with all these people. We're, we're, these, we're just out there. We're out and about. You know, you know what's something funny is everybody knows Texas. Like, oh, I know Texas. And we're talking with folks from all over. And then something happens. Something happens right there in that moment of all that euphoria. Bam. Literally at our feet, one of the members of our trip died. Was probably gone before he hit the ground. And if you can imagine that sense of like, wait a minute, I just prayed that we would leave and we're all here, this is all good. How in the world does this happen? And not only that, his wife was there. So whoa. After a long night, we had to have breakfast the next morning. And this was about 3.30 in the morning, so we had breakfast at 7.30. And I remember that breakfast, and I sat with her at breakfast. I didn't know what to say. And it wasn't one of those awkward moments. It was, you know, those moments where you just have no idea what to say. But there was something in that moment that, that, that told all of us to be quiet and listen. And I'll never forget it. The rest of the trip carried on. Our itinerary didn't change. And she was there with us every step of the way. But all of us who were on that trip could tell you that that was the most holy part of the Holy Land. And it was confirmed for us in our final hours of that trip, and we think about everything. When one of our guides had mentioned to us, you know, so many of you Americans come over here and you, you come to see these dead stones when you can see living stones. And we, and we truly underst 
understood what that meant because so many of us go over there thinking we're going to experience God in this ornate building that was built some hundreds of years ago. You think you're going to experience God at this one site where Jesus did this or Jesus did that. You think you're going to experience God standing on an ornate mosaic floor that's thousands of years ago. No, we experience God in an awful lot of silence that trip. Those sites were amazing and they were awe-inspiring. We heard God in a very different way. You see, we live in a world of the quick fix, of the next big thing, of the next gadget that does it better. We experience this sensory overload and wonder why on earth when something happens in life that we have no idea how to respond. Because we fail to listen. We want a sign. Because we know that God is a God of signs and wonders. We want a sign. God, show me the way. God, show me the answer. God, come like a mighty rushing wind, a crashing wave, and just save the day. When God is speaking, while we're waiting for something else, God is speaking a word of power and a word of hope in a thin, small silence. Tanahisi Coates is a best-selling author and an activist. Um, he's written a lot of good books, but perhaps his best stuff is, is he is the current author of The Black Panther and Captain America for Marvel right now. He writes both of them. And he said this in his book appropriately called The Beautiful Struggle. He says, I did not know then that this is what life is all about. Just when you master the geometry of one world, it slips away, and suddenly again you're swarmed by strange shapes and impossible angles. None of us are exempt from the yo-yo effect in life. Many of us have been to that place where, like people long ago, prophets, Ordinary people like yourself and me, we, we have been in that place where we have echoed that voice. How long, O oh Lord? We have been in that place when we have echoed that phrase, Lord, I can't take any more. We've been at that place where we say, Lord, I'm yelling, why are you not listening? Even God's own son said it. Father, take this cup from me. Take it. God is working. God is speaking. God speaks quite clearly. God is waiting for us to stop talking. God's also waiting for us to stop making assumptions about how God talks to us. Can you hear it? How can we miss it? It's a deafening whisper. 